Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler. And this radio show is being broadcast from the state of North Carolina with my co-host from the state of Texas, Glenn McMillian from the state of Texas, Tim Bench from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Cordell from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, and Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, and my co-host Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuning into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ, and we ask that you would take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment. And your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on the air this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can send your emails to my new email address. If you have any questions for my co-host at my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call at Steve B. Media Production at 910 910- Four nine one six four zero five. Now again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance in locating a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and study along with us here on the Gospel Live Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask that you would bow with me in the word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine 
word. Father, we pray that you would bless my co-hosts on the show this evening, Brian Christian Coleman and Steve Cordo, as they break unto our listeners the bread of life. And also my co-host, Glenn McMillian, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We pray that you'll bless them and their families that support their efforts to sow the seed of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in this radio show via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. We recognize that without such a sacrifice, we would not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you would forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak. And we often fall short of thy will. For we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us in love us all the days of our lives. And that we have been faithful until death. For we pray that you would save us. For it's in Christ's name we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to our broadcast this evening. My speakers on the show this evening, by then the first segment, my co-host is Brian Christian Coleman. He serves with the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shouted-out platform on social media on Facebook that I'll be posing to my co-host, Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas. He'll be answering our question on the program for this evening. And then to close out the show, my co-host Steve Cordo, he serves as the evangelist for the East Park Church of Christ there in Danville, Illinois. He'll be making his proclamation of the gospel of Christ as well. Now, Steve, I do believe he always does his live presentations on Facebook. So if you go to his Facebook page, Steve Cordo, you'll be able to see his live presentation. He always does a slideshow and all that as he gives his uh, lessons on this broadcast. So open up your Bibles and open your minds and let's have a great show. After the break, the next voice you hear be that of my co-host, Brian Christian Coleman from the Newark Church of Christ there in Newark, New Jersey. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show.
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co host, Brian Christian Coleman, and his subject, Church Folk. Good evening, brothers and sisters, members of the Church of Christ, and also those visitors who are joining us this evening who do not share with us in our religious convictions. We'd like to welcome you to another opportunity in the studying of God's words. Please open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 15, and beginning with verse 1. And hold your finger there for a second as we'll be beginning. But before I start, I'm going to do something I've never done before. We'd like to, to give a definite, we need to give honor to whom honor is due, because God has been so good to us. Amen. And i like to say this evening, first of all, happy birthday to Brother Stevie Butler. I don't know how, how old he is. He's not going to tell me. But I wanted to wish him a happy birthday. May God continuously bless him in the work that he's doing and keeping this radio program going. May God continuously bless him and his family as well. And to you, Brother Butler, happy birthday. If you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 15, we're going to start reading beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners 
and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you have a hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine and in, in the wilderness and go after that which he is lost until he find it? And when he has found it, he layeth on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Drop down to verse, and verse 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the other ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. Drop down to verse number 10, if you will. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Like y'all have dropped down to verse number 22. But the father said unto his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring us hither the fattest calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. And finally, verse 24, but this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. If that's in your Bible, say amen. I like to speak as the Spirit guides me on the subject this evening, church folk. Church folk. When you read the New Testament, especially the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were not written to lost folk. They were primarily written to church folk. Very little of the Bible is even written to lost folk. Mainly the only thing that is written to the lost folk in the New Testament is just to get saved. 99.9% of the Bible is written to church folk. As you read the books of the Bible, we know that the Bible is written by the apostles, disciples, and prophets. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible also says in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You find they were written to church folk. That is why they are called the book of Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. Because they were written to church folk, they wrote to these church folk regarding issues and problems that were occurring in their specific congregations. Matthew writes his gospel account to a primarily Jewish church, a church that refused to accept the fact that Jesus Christ was a fulfillment of the law and the prophet, and that he was the Messiah. Mark writes his gospel account to a primarily Gentile church, where he emphasized the humility of Jesus Christ. Luke writes his gospel account to provide a specific account of the historical record of the Acts of Jesus Christ. 
John writes his gospel to a group that had split away off from the church that seemed to believe that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. He writes to a group called Gnostics who refused to believe that he had, he had a tough time accepting that Jesus had dwelt in a human body. The point I'm trying to make is that the Bible, the word of God, was written to church folk, not to alien sinners. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 24, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus, by that statement, that the priority of the beginning of his ministry was to bring back to restore those who already had relationship with God. Within the Gospels, we have what we know as parables. Parables were stories written by an earthly perspective, but with a spiritual meaning. And they came from the lips of the master teacher, Jesus Christ. Whenever that Jesus spoke in the parables, he was also always speaking a lesson to provide information on spiritual level to those he was teaching, whether they were messages to his disciples or the confused Jews and Jewish leaders. Whenever you read the parable, you cannot just read the parable, but you have to go back to the scene of events and get an understanding why Jesus is speaking a specific parable. Don't just read the parable, but you have to back up to to the scene, the dialogue that occurred before Jesus spoke the parable. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, we find three familiar parabolistic expressions. We see the parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. But when you back up and read what had occurred that led to the parable, then you see, then you read the parables, you will discover they were not what they seemed to be. When you read them on their own, in reality, Jesus is not talking about a lost sheep. He's not talking about a lost coin. He's not talking about a lost son. He is talking to a lost people and about a shepherd who has come to look to look at for his lost people. He talks about a woman who is looking for a lost coin because the Holy Ghost is just like that woman. When you are lost, he pulls out the searchlight and tries to find you. He talks about a father whose son becomes prodigal, which is really about God the Father. When you become wayward and prodigal, the father will sit back with grace and mercy, and he will be ready to receive you whenever you come back. We all need to admit that we are all like sheep that have gone astray, but you ought to be thankful that the Holy Ghost touched your heart and you may have strayed away, but you did not stay away. When you begin to read the beginning of Luke 15, you see that Jesus sitting down at the time the rabbi sat down while the church stood up around him. Jesus was having a meal and some tax, with some tax collectors, publicans, and sinners. Because to come and die, and they wanted to come and dialogue with Jesus. We see in verses one and two the backdrop before he provided these parables for the benefit of church folk. I'm talking about the tax collectors and sinners have been drawn to Jesus to hear what he had to say. These tax collectors and sinners were drawn to listen for a word from the Lord. Whenever the Pharisees and scribes had to say on a, a regular basis, the tax collectors and sinners did not want to hear what he had to say. They did not come to hear the scribes talk about the word of God. But when Jesus began to talk, the folk that did not want to hear what the Pharisees and scribes had to say, those are the church folk, y'all, showed up to hear what Jesus had to say. 
Maybe what church folk had to say, hurting folk did not want to hear. Maybe what church folk had, had, had to say, those who are Pharisees and scribes, hurting folk who are broken, busted, disgusted, and couldn't be trusted, wanted to hear. Because when some church folk speak, they speak about rules and regulations. They speak about perimeters and labels. Maybe what, what hurting folk needed to hear, church folk were not saying. Talking about you can't wear pants in the worship service. You have That's for women I'm talking about, y'all. You have to have your uniform in. You have to be suited and booted. You can't wear makeup. You got to wear your dress all the way down to your ankles. You can't play sports. You can't go to movies. You can't listen to jazz. You can't listen to old R&B. You can't do this. You can't do that. Maybe what church folk have to say, hurting folk don't want to hear. Got pregnant as a teenager. Now you can't serve in the church. Got a girl pregnant. Now they can't use you in the worship service. Maybe what church folk have to say, hurting folk don't want to hear. Maybe, that, maybe what church folk need to do is just shut up so we can hear what Jesus has to say. Get the picture. The church folk, Pharisees, and scribes looking down their noses at other folk. They had nothing to say to bring the, un- the unchurch to them. But I'm, going to, but I'm not going to be long, but I have to let you know what church folk are dangerous. Hello? I think we need to understand. We need to do, I think what we need to tell is what, what, what church Christ needs to make a decision. If you want to be a clique, let's just be church folk. If we want to be a club, then just be church folk. If we want to be biased, if we want to be bougie, if we want to be stuck up, then just let's be church folk. If we want certain people to be a part of our congregations, let us just be church folk. If we want only members that meet Church of Christ standards, let's just be church folk. If we want people to tell people who are going to heaven and who are going to hell, let's just be church folk. If you don't want the homeless stinking up our congregation's place because they have slept outside, let's just be church folk. If we don't want crack users coming up in here, even though they want to they may be still high. Let's just be church folk. If you don't want people coming up, in our, coming up in here with liquor on their breath, trying to get themselves straight, let's just be church folk. But if we want to be liberators, if we want to heal somebody, if we want to deliver somebody, if we want to save somebody, let's stop being church folk and be liberators. If the truth be told, some of us would have not been here right now if we had just been church folk, if we had met just church folk. We look, we look cute if we want to, but church folk did not come where you were hanging out. Church, church folk did not come to you where you were partying, but somebody stepped in where you were, gave you a word that rocked your world, and they were not church folk. Jesus told these parables to get the church folk straight, not to tell them all, but to help them to understand that ministry was not about I think it's high time that we look at our world, the damage being done in our world, the world self-destructing itself, the damage to our young folk, marriages busting up, shooting on every every corner, mugging, drug pushing on every corner, homes in foreclosure, people laid off in their jobs. You got gang bangers all over the street. It's time that we stop being church folk and become the church that we need to be. You know, there's three points I want to make in this lesson. I'm trying to be, I'm not going to be long, but I do want to keep you strong. Church folk are dangerous 
because they don't know when to shout. When you see sinners and tax collectors come to Jesus, that's the time to shout. Church folk can't stand it when they are being too critical and complaining. Church folk don't know when to shout. We shout on trash and get quiet on truth. We applaud ignorance and get apart on substance. We praise the song leader when he's putting on a show. When we go to sleep on the preacher when he is saying something that we don't want to hear. Church folk don't know when to shout. Let me get relevant and let you know who tax collectors and sinners are. Tax collectors were Jews that were hated by their own people. They, were on behalf, they worked on behalf of the Roman government that was oppressing and leveling high taxes on the Jewish people. They were what we would call today an Uncle Tom. They would take from the poor and give it to those in authority. And sometimes they may even come along and take a little bit for themselves. A tax collector was like a black drug dealer dealing death to his own people while he is selling the crack, cocaine, and heroin and other narcotics making a little chump change. But the person that brought the stuff in living high on the hill in a rich neighborhood, he's the one making the money. Someone may say here today, now he's saying all of that. Are we going to have all kinds of people coming in our church? Praise God. All those hip-hop folks with platinum in their mouth, all these girls with their skirts high up their waist like you never were yours, hello, they all need a word from the, from the Lord. Praise God. It's time to shout when, people, when folks that have been broken and decide to come and hear what Jesus had to say. Don't shout when the preacher has something cute to say, but shout when tax collectors and sinners want to hear Jesus. Shout because drug dealers want to give up the poison. Shout because pimps want to be preachers. Shout because, abuse, because abusers want to get their lives straight. Maybe the reason that church folk can't shout is because they're too busy being critical. Got too many spiritual police in the church. Maybe if we stop being critical, critics, rumblers, and analyzers, and instead of coming to church and getting the gossip, they all come to, come to church to want to get the gossip. Maybe if they come to church to get the word and try to learn something that can help them during the week, you just might shout. The mature Christian is someone who has the ability to shout for somebody else. You are not mature when you can shout on your own testimony. You are not mature when you can shout when you get the job, got the house, got the raise, got the woman, the man, got the children, got the degree. But you know when you are mature, when you still don't have a job, you don't have the house, you still don't have the money, when your change is strange and your money is funny, and you're still single, ready to mingle, but nobody wants to give, give you a jingle. But you still can shout. You sit here and hear about somebody else getting blessed, and you become a motivator, an elevator, an escalator, a celebrator, and not a hater. Because a motivator will cause you to be somebody's elevator to get them where God wants them to be. The worst thing to do is when people are trying to get to another level is in their lives is throw water on their fire. That's a hater. God has been too good to us. And I'm telling you the truth right now. He's been too good to me. I may be broken, busted, but I can be trusted because my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power. Can I shout for you? 
the Lord's been good to us, been too good to us not to shout about for someone else. Some of you are living in places that you could not live in 10 years ago. Come on, I'm preaching now. Some of you are driving in cars that you couldn't afford 10 years ago. Some of you are working jobs that you couldn't obtain 10 years ago. How can you just walk up there and hate on somebody else? Church folk do not know when to shout because tax collectors and sinners come to hear Jesus. That's shouting time. You see, church folk don't realize something. They are just as lost as they, as the people that they loathe. Hello? The woman lost the coin. Can I tell you where she lost the coin? She lost the coin in the house. You can be in the house and still be lost. You know, church folk are dangerous because church folk are lost and don't even know they're lost. Jesus is still there, is, t- is telling these stuck-up scribes that they are in the house and are lost. Some church folk are lost and don't even know it. Right in the house, attending every Sunday even, Sunday morning and evening, lost. Attending a midweek Bible study and lost. Holding their Bible under their arm and lost. Because they are in the church and they don't even know they're lost. My second point, church folk are dangerous because they get lost Six feet at a time. You know, I watched Discovery Channel, and I watched a program that was dealing about sheep. You know, there are some good things that you can still watch on television, praise God. I watched the History Channel, Discovery Channel, National Geographic, the Food Network, anywhere where I could get some education, I watch. Thank God there's still some good TV to watch. They say that the sheep can only see six feet in front of him at a time. You must understand in the context of the text, we may, not, we may know that the sheep are not the dumbest animals because God has, like God has created. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Got to be smart to know who to follow and who not to follow. Come on now, holler if you hear me. Sheep can only see six feet in front of them. Sheep only get lost six feet at a time. So they graze over here, and then they see something over there. They move there, and they see something six feet away in another direction. And before you know it, they've wandered away, and they find their, and they can't find their way back. You see, the devil knows exactly how to put it in just so far in front of you just the right proximity for you to get astray. He knows how to bring it just so close enough for you to see it. They graze away from the shepherd, and they graze away from the flock, little by little, six feet at a time. Reading books by people who are not members of the church, and you haven't digested the Bible, six feet at a time. Trying to learn more about the lost books of the Bible, and you haven't even studied the found 66, six feet at a time. Come to one service over here, somebody gets them upset, and they go to another congregation, six feet at a time. Read the Quran and not even studying the word of God, six feet at a time. Reading the Bible and not getting an understanding because you are so smart and nobody can tell you anything, six feet at a time. Driving, drinking a little Coke with some Cavassier. Six feet at a time. Smoking some ganji, saying it's the herb of the ground, 
God made it, nothing wrong with it, six feet at a time. Listen to some gospel from a lot from an unreliable source, six feet at a time. Checking out the club and stepping out and having a good time, six feet at a time. No meaningful relationships with other members of the church, other denominations, six feet at a time. Talking about how folk have hurt your feelings, six feet at a time. When you don't know how many folks' feelings you have hurt, six feet at a time. And before you know it, you are way out there, and it happened little by little, six feet at a time. Still in the house, but lost, and you can't tell where you are. They always come to church with blank stares, looking around and wondering what goes on six feet at a time. I know that there is somebody here today who may be guilty of this. The first time you do it, you feel sorrowful and wishing that you didn't do it when you miss service. Then you do it again and again and again, and all of a sudden, it don't bother you much. That's going six feet at a time. Now, here comes the shout. When a shepherd has grazed, the sheep has grazed their way and gotten lost, they have a tough time to know how to get back. Here comes a shout. When you can't find your way back to the shepherd, the shepherd will come back out there looking for you. Because the truth be told, some of us have strayed away so far that we did not know how to get back. And the only reason we got back is because the shepherd came looking for us. Say amen if you can. We didn't know how to get back. We didn't care to get back, but the shepherd came looking for us. He removed some people out of our lives. He took some stuff out of our lives. He took that job that you put before God. He laid you on your back in a sick bed because we were too busy to come to worship. That's just the shepherd's way of getting to us. Anybody here today know that you are only here today because the Lord found you? You did not find the Lord because the Lord was not lost. The Lord found you because you were lost. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm so glad that over 30-some-odd years ago at, here in Newark, New Jersey, the Lord found me, age of 11, and the word was preached. By my minister, my father of the gospel, Dr. Eugene Lawton. And I heard the gospel that morning. And I gave my hand to the preacher man and gave my commitment to Christ. And I have been in the church ever since. I'm so glad that he came looking for me so many years ago. Because without him, I know I would be lost. Sometimes the Lord will stop coming to get you after coming after you every six weeks. He will just sit back and watch you until you figure out that you need to submit to him. Remember the third parable in verse 12. When you are lost sheep, the shepherd, now that's not Jesus. He does not chastise you, but he will give you a lift. My last point, church folk are dangerous because they give you lectures when they need to give you a lift. Jesus finds the lost sheep. He does not give lectures. He gives them a lift. They say when a sheep is lost and cannot find his way back, it is said that his heartbeat really beats at a fast rate because they, they can only see six feet at a time. So when they hear a noise, they're even more scared. They don't know if it's a predator, another sheep, or the shepherd coming to find them. When people are lost, when they are broken, when people are hurt, when people are turned down, 
That is not the, the time to give them a lecture. The Bible says, Yea, which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourselves as ye also be tempted. They need a lift, not a lecture. The sheep is scared and hurt. It is not the time to lecture, not the time to preach and criticize. It's the time to comfort. It's time to cuddle, and it's time to give a lift. Some church folk want to be know-it-all lecturers. They want you to know how long you've been away from the church and how, many, how much Bible they know. You have just had another bad bout with drugs and alcohol, and they want to give you a lecture. You got pregnant as a teenager or a young adult, and you are not married, and they want to lecture you. You made a bad decision, and they want to lecture you. There's a time and a season for everything. When a sheep is hurt, their body is bruised, that is the time to heal, not to lecture. Jesus gives us a lift. He loves you back to health at the same time. The problem with some church folk is they want to keep broken folk broke. Instead of loving them, they want to lecture them. So, so when she got pregnant at the age of 16, love them back to health. So when he got involved in drugs, love them back to health. When he got a girl pregnant and is not married, love them back to health. So when they feel, fell away from the church, love them back to health. It's about love, not lectures. When the shepherd finds them, he lifts them off the sheep and places the sheep across his shoulders. And then the sheep's heartbeat slows down to relax beat. He feels the warmth and love of the shepherd. It assures the sheep that everything is all right. Their heartbeat gets to be one heartbeat. Some of you may have gone through some stuff. You may have some, you may have fell away from the church. You may be having some marriage problems. You are broken down. You may have been fighting alcohol and addiction. But I stopped by to tell you, the master shepherd is ready to give you a lift. I don't know where you are in your life. I pray that this lesson reflects to you. And if you are not a member of the Church of Christ, you have an opportunity to feel the love of the shepherd because he's out trying to reach for you. You may ask Brother Preacher, how do I become a member of the Church of Christ? You first have to hear the gospel. John that teaches us, Hebrews 10.25, it teaches us first we've got to hear the gospel. Romans 10, 17, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. After you hear the gospel, you've got to believe the gospel. John 8, 24, the Bible says, except you believe I am he, you'll be, you will die in your sins. And then after that, you've got to repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then after you've repented, you've got to confess the sweetest words that you will ever say. I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son, 36, 10, 37. And then you go down into the liquid tomb of baptism for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. And after, you, and after that, baptism washes away your sins, Acts 22, 16. You become a new creature, John 3 and verse 5. You become a child of God, Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And he adds you to the church of Christ, not the Baptist church, not the Presbyterian, not the Methodist Church. He adds you to the Church of Christ, Acts 2 and verse 47. And if you are a member of the Church of Christ, 
and you've been acting like church folk. You've been acting like you know everything. I stopped by to tell you, you have the opportunity to, to repent and walk in and get back in relationship and fellowship back with God. I don't know where you are in your life who are listening tonight, but if you are not a member of the Church of Christ, email Brother, Brother Butler, and he will let you know where the nearest Church of Christ is for where you live at. Then you can call the preacher and let him know, I'm tired of living in sin. I want to become a member of the Church of Christ. Again, I pray this lesson has been edifying for everyone here tonight. May God bless you. May God keep you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events or activities announced on this broadcast, you can contact me at Stevie B Media Production at Carolina Studio at 910-491-6405. I'll send you emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights from Houston, Texas. And the telephone number to this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved, as well as information regarding the churches of Christ. In addition, it's intended to edify and strengthen the faith of those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening, the Democrats Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And this class will be held at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. On daily at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ prayer line is hosted by the Church of Christ from Lafayette, Louisiana. And the telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And access code is 514-859. My co-host here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, Steve Cordo, he's speaking on this broadcast tonight. He has a new book entitled God Grace in You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian Catalog. I have two uh, new shows that we've just added to our production on Tuesday night. What a word for what radio show that airs on Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. It's the Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry that airs every third Tuesday of the month. And my co-host, Shauna Otis, she leads that ministry there from Nashville, Tennessee. And that... We have an additional production that airs every fourth Tuesday of the month on What a Word from the Lord radio show. That's the Kelly Fletcher Show. And she will be on the air every fourth Tuesday of the month. So look forward to hearing those two new productions. 
And just a program reminder, Stevie B's Me Production presents. We're airing live shows here on Blog Talk Radio. Give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. Or you can type in your search bar, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gospel light radio show. That will bring you to the live shows. On Tuesday evening, each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, we have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ, and this show will air every second Tuesday of the month, because the first Tuesday of the month, there will be no show scheduled. And we also have on that show the Community Corner segment for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our community, and also have three co-hosts on that show, Lou Gilbert, Shauna Otis, and Isom Mullins. And then on Thursday evening, the Gospel Light Radio Show will air here on Blog Talk Radio from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I have eight co-hosts on this broadcast, and each week two of my co-hosts will be on the air with me. And we also are taking questions from my social media platform on Facebook that's called Shout It Out that I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on this live broadcast this evening. And that's every Thursday evening. And then on Friday night, we have a new time for the Stevie B's Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And this show will air from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. On this show, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And we also have the Story Glory segment. We try to do that segment every first Friday of the month. But we're interviewing the artists that we play on this broadcast. Now, on this Friday night, I'll be doing my top 20 countdown show for the month of October. And then on next Friday night, October 22nd, uh, my special guest on that show will be Curtis Williamson from Nashville, Tennessee. He'll be debuting his new CD he's just released. We're going to play some new singles on that broadcast. That's October 22nd. And then on October 29th, my special guest on that show will be Irving C. Jackson from Wesley Chapel, Florida. He'll be debuting some new music on that broadcast. Irving C. comes on that show every... We try to get him on at least once a month because he's been releasing so much new music here lately. Um, so we try to get him on the show at least once a month to debut some of his new music on the broadcast. Now, if you cannot catch any of these live shows here on Blog Talk Radio, don't worry about it because we got it all covered for you now. There's some of the major musical platforms that air podcasts you can now go to uh, these platforms and listen to all of the shows that we have produced here under Stevie B's Media Productions. We have over 600 episodes. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have over 600 episodes on the variety of uh, musical platforms uh, where you can get your podcast from. Some of the major ones I always like to announce on this broadcast is Spotify. These are the most popular ones that people know about. Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube. Wherever you're getting your podcast from, just type in Stevie B Media Productions and you'll see all of the shows that we're producing under this production. Over 600 episodes. I'd like to give a shout out to all of my sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. I have a new program manager that manages these sponsors. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And if you'd like to be a sponsor for any of these radio shows, just give her a call at 954-687-4705. 
And I'd like to give a shout out to my sponsors. I, I appreciate all of my sponsors, and I have some of these sponsors that have been with me from the very beginning. So I always like to give them a shout out on these on these radio shows. Uh, Sharon Norwood, she lives in Chicago, Illinois, Bethesda Memorial, Trooper Director of Crematory Services out of DeSoto, Texas, Stanley Phillips out of Little Rock, Arkansas, Cheryl Marav from Charlotte, North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Goot from Nashville, Tennessee, Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Marquise Holman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, Diversified Financial Network LLC out of Dallas, Texas, and Mark and Charlotte Carroll. Is the owner of this uh, company here and ordained faith publishing ministry. I'm sorry, ordained faith publishing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stevie B's media production. It is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, and we want to encourage you in a study of God's word. And that will conclude my program announcement. Stay tuned. The shout it out segment is coming up next. Stay tuned to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. And if you miss me from singing, singing. and you can't find me nowhere, come on up to Glory. I'll be singing the best. Yes, I will. And I know the Lord. He will grieve me. Over yonder. Over on the other shore. Praising the best Heard of this The safety of the day
listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform on Facebook called Shout It Out. And we want to pose this question to one of my co-hosts. His name is Glenn McMillian. He serves with the Waterview Church of Christ there in Richardson, Texas, and he will be answering our question this evening. Glenn, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Now, are you live on Facebook? I am. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to Glenn McMillian's page on Facebook. He's doing his presentation live on Facebook as we speak. Now, Glenn, this question is from uh, Kenneth Drew from the state of Tennessee. And listen to his question. Now, let me read a little bit before I get to the question. He says, uh, God the Father is the gardener in John chapter 15 and verse 1. And he desires us to be fruitful. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. John 15 verse 5. Now, we know from this that we are to bear much fruit fruit. Now, here is the question. What is the much fruit that we as Christians ought to bear? And how can we know for sure that we are bearing much fruit? Now, what say you to this question? This is an excellent question. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, answer it this this evening. Um, This is an excellent time to bring up the fact that it is very important that every Bible student has a concordance or a, a, a tool with which they can do textual study. Um, the word fruit uh, that is used in this, is, in this passage is a very common metaphor that Jesus and the apostles used throughout the New Testament. Um, if you look at the word fruit in your concordance or go to your uh, your, your Bible website or any kind of uh, tutorial or, or uh, tool that you can do textual study with, um, you'll see that the word fruit appears in the New Testament 61 times. Uh, and almost every time it's used, not every time, but almost every time it's used, it's in this context of fruit being a something that a Christian or a person uh, produces as part of their uh, their life. And so if we examine some of these uh, passages, we can get a sense of what this fruit is. What is, what is this metaphor trying to say? And how does that uh, give us an action item that we need to, uh, to put into place in our lives? So uh, one good place to, to start with this is, uh, other than the text that was, that was mentioned, is to go to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about, in verse 15, about the fruit. And 
it's interesting the context in which he brings it up. He starts in verse 15 by saying, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We know that this we know this verse very well. But we don't always tie the rest of this passage to that verse. Verse 16 says, You will know them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from bushes or figs from thistles. So every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits. He repeats that again. So the fruit that we can tell from this passage is the character of the person. A person you is a, a person's character is revealed in the way that they act, in the way that they behave. A person can fool people for only so much time. Uh, it, it, you can, if you watch a person over a long period of time, if you examine the fruit over a, a, a period of time, not in a, a single uh, setting a single instance, but over time, you will start to see where the weaknesses in this person's character are. That's, that's what he's talking about, so the character aspect of a person. You can judge that person. You can know that person's character by looking at the way that they behave over time. So what specific things are we looking for? Well, again, if you've done your textual study, you've looked at the word fruit, you should know Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. What are the specific things that show that a person is bearing good fruit? And the Bible reads, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So a person who is bearing good fruit, a person who is connected to the vine that is Christ and is now bearing good fruit is going to have these character traits in their life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If a person who you've monitored, who you've been watching over a period of time is exhibiting these character traits, that person is bearing good fruit. Uh, and so how can we know that those things are in our life? Well, First Peter, sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, Peter uses these same character traits and shows us how we can know that we are connected. Second Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 5, says, For this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, Supply moral character, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, how do we know that we're connected? We have these character traits. We have faith, number one. We have moral excellence. 
are, are we are correcting our behavior and, and putting it in line with the standards that God has set for us. We have knowledge. We are studying the word daily. We have self-control, again, keeping ourselves in line. We have perseverance. We don't give up when things get, get bad. We have godliness. Again, we are striving to get closer to the aspects of God. Brotherly kindness, we treat, we treat our brothers with kindness and love. We have and we want the best for every person that we come in contact with. If those are aspects of your character, then you are connected to the vine. You are growing. You are producing good fruit. If those are not part of your character, if you're lacking something, then now you know what you should be working on. And now you know what you should be adding to your character in order to know that you are producing good fruit. So, again, you go through the go through the Bible, look up the word fruit. Almost every time the word fruit is mentioned, it is in this context. It's talking about uh, adding good aspects to your character. These two passages give you very specific things that you can work on to to let you know whether or not you are producing fruit or good fruit or or not. So. Um, I believe that uh, sufficiently answers the question, um, and I hope that that, that is uh, something that you can take with you, something that you can uh, use in your life and that will help you to, uh, to grow and to prosper and to bear good fruit. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I know, Lord, I know the Lord, He'll take care of me, yes He will, I know the Lord, He'll take care of me. I call on you and you step in right time. I know the Lord, He'll take care, take care of me. Lord, I'm trying every day to walk in the right way my 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 it gets hard hard on this road it gets so rough Take 
Samir, won't you tell him how he took care of you? Sometimes I gain all by mistake. Lord, I don't know, just don't know what to do. I start to look back over my life. And in your word, I know you'll see me through. All this misery, all that I mean. I don't know, it just can't seem that I can't win. I know the Lord, yes, you'll take care, yes, take care of me, oh yeah, yes, he'll take care, yes he will, I remember not long ago, when it seemed like I lost everything but my mind And a new friend A friend I could call on In a late midnight hour So I called on the Lord And let me tell you what I found out See I know the Lord He'll take care of me You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now my co-host Steve Cordo and his subject, and now for something completely different. And good evening, uh, Stevie, and everybody out there listening to us. Uh, this evening's lesson that I'm bringing is part of a series that I've been doing uh where I where I preach uh, in Illinois, and it goes back to a uh, trip Debbie and I were taking. My wife and I were going to see a production of In the Woods, uh, Into the Woods rather, and all of a sudden she let out this scream and she just said, "Look, right over there!" And I said, "What?" I I was either sleeping or reading. I can't remember. She was driving, and I was sitting there in the passenger seat and. She uh, started to get off the highway, and I finally saw what she was uh, pointing at and what she was so excited about. It was the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, and she wanted to go over there and get her picture taken with it. And there were several people that were there, couples there passing cell phones around, were getting pictures taken with it. And then, hold on to that thought because it is relevant to this lesson tonight. Uh, while I was preparing for this lesson, I was reading of a uh, denominational preacher in Toronto, Canada, that uh, joined the Salvation Army, and he told of when he was 16 years old, uh, he was going to a Bible study from his house, 
and in those days, wearing the uniform uh, to every church function. And as he was going uh, to this Bible study, he walked by a pool hall where he used to hang out with his friends. And, of course, he started getting a lot of coarse language and that kind of thing, and they were throwing things at him and, and all that sort of thing. And then he realized that just how much he stuck out with this particular um, uniform on. And it was what he called his first experience with postmodern uh, thought and behavior. And then if you uh, like country music at all, you might remember, and if you're old enough, you might remember back about 1980, Mac Davis had a hit song that was called It's Hard to Be Humble. And there was a line in the song where he says, where he says, I guess you could say I'm a loner, a cowboy, outlaw, tough and proud. And here's the line that's really relevant. The, I could have lots of friends if I wanted, but then I wouldn't stand out from the crowd. Okay, so what does the Wienermobile, a boastful person, and a uniform all have in common? Because they all do have at least one thing in common. That is, they all stand out. It's kind of hard to miss that Wienermobile. It's kind of hard to miss the boastful person in the room who's bragging about all the things that he's done and somebody in a uniform. When, you know, my dad was in the Air Force, and it was, it was easy to spot that uniform. And I want us to think about how some want to stand out from the crowd, some want to blend in. And what I've been seeing in the last 20 or 30 years is many churches, and this goes across the fellowship lines, regardless of their faith group, seem to want to blend in and be more modern and more hip uh, with society. And even to the point some have gone to what are called contemporary services. And many churches have those, sometimes on a Saturday night, or they'll have two services on Sunday. And how has that worked out for them? Well, here's an article I found while I was preparing for this lesson. And this article says, that the contemporary worship has contributed to the decline of the church. It has been the trend in the last couple of decades for traditional mainline churches to pretend to be something they're not. Many of them have experimented with praise bands, the installation of screens, praise music, leisure dress on the platform, and, well, you know how, that's been, how well that's been received. Frankly, and here's what I want you to pay attention to and listen to, Frankly, it has largely proven to be a fatal mistake. Of course, there are exceptions to this everywhere, and especially in those churches where there is an untraditional look already, staging an amphitheater-style seating, as well as the budget to hire the finest musicians to perform for worship. Now, look at that word, to perform for worship. Uh, it's not a concert, folks. There shouldn't be anybody performing. And then finally, the article says, in traditional mainline churches, however, trying to make a stained glass atmosphere pass as the contemporary worship place has met with about as much success as a karaoke singer auditioning for The X Factor. Now, you may be wondering what my source for this article is. Well, I'm glad you asked, because it is none other than that bastion of right-wing evangelical fervor, The Huffington Post. Now, if you're not familiar with The Huffington Post, you might have noticed a little bit of sarcasm in my voice, because if you lay out the, the political and ideological spectrum, the Huffington Post is left of center. And the author is a liberal theologian, Dr. Stephen McSwain, and the title of the article was, Why Nobody Wants to Go to Church Anymore, which is also the title of a book that he wrote. 
So I have a question. How come a liberal publication like the Huffington Post gets it, but so many churches don't, that this contemporary uh, blending in with society is not working for the church? Another man, Ken Meyer, who's the author and founder of Mars Hill Audio Journal, and I've never listened to Mars Hill Audio Journal, so I really don't know what it's all about. But he was interviewed, and he made this statement in an interview where he said, truth seekers are looking for something different, radically different. If people are just looking for a religious band-aid or spiritual Prozac, they are not seeking the redemption promised in the Gospels, which calls for them to die to self and really live for Christ. If I were drowning, the most relevant reality I could long for would be someone who was a really good swimmer. If my house is on fire, I would want a man with a hose, not a lighter. If my life were plunged into darkness, light would be the most relevant thing imaginable. Years ago, I was asked about my opinion of seeker-sensitive worship services. And I quipped, that would be fine as long as they are part of a martyr-friendly church. But churches that have pursued relevance by emulating fashionable cultural trends without examining the meaning of those trends and how they form the souls of those embedded in them have not had the great success in nurturing and mature disciples. The church uh, should be more like a farm than a showroom. And that's why I call this lesson for, and now for something completely different. Because as Christians, we need to not blend in with the crowd, not like chameleons that blend in to match their surroundings. We need to be standing out. Uh, Ronald Reagan once made a, a, a speech years ago, back in the 1970s, before he was president, where he talked about the difference between pale pastels and bold, bright colors. We need to be the bold, bright colors. In Leviticus chapter 18, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. Now, now listen, according to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. According to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God, and you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And so I want to look at three different things here, starting with the fact that Israel was different. They were supposed to be different than the nations around them. Early on, the patriarchs were important, very important to the development uh, of the Hebrew people. And Abram, who became Abraham, remember, made a covenant with God, and God eventually changed his name. And that uh, covenant continued on uh, uh, throughout what we call the Old Testament. Now, develop, in the developing of the Hebrew people, these fathers marked the beginning of, the, of them as a separated people. God wanted them to be separate. He did not want his chosen people to be like the rest of creation. He wanted them to be holy and acceptable before him. And, and holy really means to be separated for a purpose. We see also in the first uh, five verses of Leviticus 18 that God reminded his chosen people that they are not to follow the sins of their neighbors. You see, in several of the commands, God wanted his people to stay away from the practices of those pagan nations. Now, one of the basic ideas is that they are to worship God and God only. The nations around them, remember, worshipped a plethora of other gods, and God did not want his people to be like them. It's much like we today as parents. You might tell your kids, 
or maybe you were told as a kid, hey, I don't want you hanging around with that group of kids over there. Uh, why, Mom? Why, Dad? Why can't? Because they're they're bad influence. They get into trouble, and I don't want you to be getting into trouble uh, like they are. That's basically what God is saying. Do not be like the nations around you. You'll be getting into trouble. That's all it's going to do. And there's a passage in Leviticus chapter 20 where God says that an Israelite or an alien residing in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch shall be put to death. Now, if you don't know anything about Moloch, he was one of the uh, gods uh, there uh, in Canaan that uh, they worshipped. And one of the uh, rituals involved sacrifices, uh, human sacrifices, many times living. And in fact, um, I have an illustration here of a statue of Moloch with outstretched arms, and somebody is placing what is clearly a live baby uh, in his um, arms, and they were that was a, uh, a burnt offering. The, the, the passage says uh, you are not to make your children pass through the fires of Moloch, and those are some of the customs. If you remember from Elijah's encounter with the priests of Baal on, in 1 Kings 18, the, the priests of Baal went first to call their god to send down fire, and when their god didn't respond, do you remember what they did? They started to not only uh, sh- shred their clothing, they started to cut themselves. And that was one of the rituals that would go into uh, worship of some of these idols where the, uh, the worshiper is trying to get the, the god, that particular god's attention. And our god didn't want to go, us to go through that. We don't have to do that to get his attention. Now, when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, we can see there that the same concept is applied to the uh, children of, uh, or rather to the New Testament. That uh, there's a series of rhetorical questions there that Paul asks uh, the Corinthians in uh, for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. He is urging them to not conform, or, or rather to form any binding relationships with non-believers that would weaken their Christian faith. Because God has given various promises to Christians, and we are to keep ourselves cleansed from anything that could defile us. And that's the passage there where he uh, says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And we typically use that when uh, we're trying to uh, dissuade a Christian from marrying a non-Christian. And that is a good application, but let's remember marriage isn't the only relationship we have with people who aren't Christians. You could be entering into a business relationship that would be uh, somehow compromise your faith. Maybe the, your business partner is a dishonest person or has a bad reputation. You've got to think about those kinds of things uh, when you are uh, getting involved with people who are not Christians. We need to monitor carefully our relationships with non-Christians and watch for potential corrupting influences in our daily lives and be different. Israel was supposed to stand out and be different, and so was Jesus. Jesus arrived on the scene. He came in. He was different. He didn't see the world like the Romans did or the Pharisees. He looked at the world with new eyes, a different set of eyes. And he highlighted also things we should do. If you look at the Old Testament, a lot of it is what we would call negative. In other words, it's telling us what not to do. You shall not make unto uh, any graven images, nor shall you bow down to them. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a negative. That's telling you what not to do. Jesus came along and did positive. You shall love the Lord your God. Okay, he's telling us what to do, which is good because you can't tell someone simply to stop a behavior without helping them find something to put 
in its place, and that's what Jesus did. And uh, he showed that, that there are positive things to do instead of just focus, focusing on what to avoid and what not to do. Those are things he expects us to do. He was also different in how he treated sinners. If you look at John chapter 8 and the woman uh, caught in adultery, he accepted those who were considered unacceptable. Now, this woman's caught in adultery and brought to Jesus, and they're expecting Jesus to be between a rock and a hard place because they're going to say, hey, this woman was caught committing adultery. Moses said she should be stoned, Jesus. What do you say? And, of course, he's knelt down and started scribbling in the, in the dirt. We don't know what he was scribbling. It would be interesting to know that question, but we don't know the answer to it. And that's when he told them, who, he who is among you without sin cast the first stone. And how they slowly began to, dis, uh, uh, to disperse and to go home. And he told the woman to go and sin no more. Being with this woman and, and, and telling her just to go and sin no more. Now, notice he didn't condone uh, what she was doing. You notice there was never any um, uh, argument about whether she was committing adultery. She was caught in the act. Now, whether she was set up or not, we don't know. But she does not dispute the charge. Jesus does not dispute the charge. So as far as I can tell, this is a legitimate charge. She was caught in the act. But and by coming to her and or bringing her to Jesus and saying, hey, look, Moses said she should be stoned, what do you say? If, if Jesus says, yeah, go ahead and stone her, he's going to have a problem with Rome because only Rome can give a death sentence and carry it out. On the other hand, if he says, well, no, don't stone her, uh, he is going to have a problem then with the Pharisees and the people because he's going against Moses. That's what they're expecting, one of those two answers. But then Jesus pulls a, a, a third answer. And tells him if who he was without sin, cast the first stone. I picture a, a for football fans, picture a linebacker crashing through the line and he's reaching for the quarterback's jersey and he thinks he's gonna sack him for a ten yard loss when the quarterback suddenly drops a long bomb on him and the linebacker loses his footing and hits the turf and then sits up in a daze wondering what just happened here as he's pulling grass out of his helmet. That's what I picture the Pharisees doing here. They think they've got Jesus. He pulls a uh, fast one and gets away, and they're sitting there in a daze wondering, what just happened here? And uh, when they get blindsided by that answer that he gave them. We know that God loves sinners, and he wants them to be saved. And we are the ones that are to be out reaching to these, uh, to these sinners and bringing them in. The plan involves all of us. And then Jesus not only uh, treated sinners different and was uh, looked at the world with different eyes, but he thought differently. He thought differently than the religious leaders of his day who were expecting a uh, great uh, leader, uh, a glorious king to come in and throw the Romans out. He thought differently than the rich people of his day. Remember, he gave a message of woe. He didn't say having wealth was wrong. He just said it was harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because they're trusting in riches. They're not trusting in God. And then he thought differently than even his followers. When his followers had urged him to call down lightning uh, one time on, uh, on his uh, opponents, and when they were uh, watching Jesus wash the feet uh, at the, just before he was betrayed, that was something that was different to them. 
And the biggest way that Jesus was different was when he declared who he was. Remember, some Jews asked him, hey, if you are the Messiah, if you are the Christ, would you just tell us? Just, just say so. But he said, look, I have told you plainly, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. See, the world could not accept who Jesus was, even when the answer was right there in front of them, when they could clearly see it. He didn't look right. He didn't act right. He was different. Israel was different, and then we Christians need to be different. You know, as believers in Jesus, there are many ways that we need to stand out. We need to not be blending in around us, as I see many churches uh, trying to blend in with society in the way they're redefining marriage, uh, in the way that they are fellowshipping uh, other religions that don't believe on Jesus. We're to be different because we are to obey God while the rest of the world, including a lot of denominations, rebel against him. We trust in the Bible as God's word, and the world rejects it as being too narrow. It's too absolute. But the world just doesn't seem to like absolutes. And rejection of absolutes is why right and wrong are constantly being redefined, uh, particularly by secular ideas. You know, I like having absolutes because that makes things so much more stable. If um, I had to do some measurements a little while ago, and, you know, 12 inches is a foot here in America. If I go to Canada, how much is 12 inches? Well, it's still a foot. That's an absolute. That makes things stable. And I kind of like it that way. I like the laws that govern the universe so that if I drop something, I know it's going to fall uh, as a, another absolute. So Jesus gives us absolutes. The world doesn't like them. And through the Bible, God reveals to us that we are sinful beings. We're different because we follow Jesus as our light in this dark world. All kinds of evil going on around us. Unrest, crime is up, but one thing is certain. We know sin and evil are alive and have always darkened the earth, but Jesus is a light that we can take to the world. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17, Paul said there how uh, uh, the, darkened, the, the, the people were darkened in their hearts. He says, therefore, I say and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened, being aligned from this, uh, the life of God, or alienated, I'm sorry, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. That is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past, feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Now, we'll notice the darkened in their understanding. See, the world around us has taken to sin. It doesn't see anything wrong with it. Because it, it accepts it and sometimes glorifies bad behavior. And that kind of is spilled over into Christians. We get desensitized by all the bad things going on around us. But Jesus shows us a path and gets us to heaven through his example. He helps us get away from the dark, sinful world. And we're different because we put our trust, our whole trust, in Jesus. The Levitical law expected people, remember, to cleanse themselves, and they had to bring sacrifices depending on what the situation was. They would have to bring sacrifices, but we don't have to do that because Jesus is our sacrifice. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have done something wrong. All of us have sinned, made mistakes, however you want to look at it, 
all of us are deserving of punishment. All of us in the church, people outside the church, whether you're a Christian or not, we all could use God's grace. And we have hope in Jesus because of the grace extended through Jesus in his death on the cross. God gave us these instructions and rules just like he did Israel so that we would be close to him and separated from the world around us. And Jesus showed us that it was important to move our hearts towards God. Jesus was different. He stood out. Israel was different. They stood out. They were supposed to. Didn't always do it. Christians are different. We're supposed to stand out. We don't always. But let's uh, be the bold, bright colors. Let's not be pale pastels and blend in. Let's stand out so people can see that we are different, that we do represent uh, a, a loving and a merciful God who wants all men to be saved. And if you have questions about your salvation, contact us through social media, contact Stevie, contact one of us, and we'll be glad to help you answer the questions so that you know without a doubt you can go home to be with Jesus if he were to come back tonight. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here, Stevie. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you on the next show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough. Sometimes it gets tough for me. Has anybody been lonely all by yourself? Has anybody been sad, broken hearted and sad? Have you even been
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life, I just want to say what you really mean to me. You're my everything, my joy and peace. You're the reason why I sing. Lord, I don't deserve anything you've given me, so I just gotta say thank you. What's nice with your loving grace, so I just gotta tell you this. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning in to the radio broadcast. We certainly appreciate those who've been following our radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media, live on Facebook. We certainly appreciate our efforts from our co-hosts on the show. What a show tonight. Great lessons presented from both of our co-hosts. My co-host, Brian Christian Coleman, gave us a subject about church folk. That brother know he preached tonight. And also Steve Cordo. And now for something completely different. I just love the way Steve does his lessons. 
and he just gets right to the point. I just love his lessons, also his presentations on Facebook Live. And also my co-host, Glenn McMillian, he answered that question about much fruit. He did an excellent job in answering that question. I appreciate all of my co-hosts. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not take any of this for granted. These men are putting in some great work here on this broadcast, and we have been on the air since uh, about 2016 uh, doing this program. So we have done a great job. I certainly appreciate everything that they're doing to support this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my prayer that the things that were uh, said on the show tonight has been taught, that you have been, that has been beneficial to your spiritual lives and your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When I see the
Your soul and your 